Welcome to the Bad Soccer Dad Podcast, where we're asking, why do our attempts to bring out the best in young athletes often bring out the worst in parents? And what would it take to flip the script? Join us each week as we seek to develop better parents, better athletes, and better conversations. Here's your host, Steve Norman. My interview this week is with Lisa Payne. She's the retired CFO and vice chairman of Taubman Centers, a public retail real estate company. Lisa is currently a full-time board member and sits on the boards for the Masco Corporation, Rockwell Automation, and JCPenney. She's the mother of two daughters who played high school, club, and college volleyball. Katie recently graduated from St. Olaf in Minnesota, where she played middle blocker. Margaret currently plays middle hitter for the Miami of Ohio Redhawks. She was named first team All-Mac in 2018, her junior season. Let's jump into the podcast. Lisa, what kind of sports did you grow up playing as a kid? Well, I was not very um, focused on athletics as a kid, believe it okay. or not. I um, was much more into music. I played the piano. I played the organ for our church. I played the clarinet in our band at school. Um, I did ski with my mom, but as a, a team sport, I played a little basketball and a little swimming, but really can't say sports was a big part of my life. Okay. But when you had kids, it became a big part of your life. Can you talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so I um, have two daughters um, uh, with my um, now ex-husband, Bob. And Bob was a football player at Dartmouth and a huge person into sports. I mean, sports was such a big part of his high school and college career. And I love the aspect of seeing my daughters as women as young girls and then young women kind of excel at a sport that I thought would build confidence and also, you know, let's face it, keep them out of all that natural mischief because they don't have any time when they play sports. So both Katie and Margaret um, are turned out to be very athletic. My oldest daughter, Katie, was a 12-letter athlete at her high school, which means she played basketball, soccer, and volleyball on the varsity team as a freshman. So oh my she goodness. is a super athlete, just an all-around athlete and an all-around competitive person. Um, so she played travel soccer as well when she was younger, and then she played travel volleyball in addition to those sports in high school. Margaret, who is younger, now Margaret's 21 now, Katie, by the way, is 23 now, but Kate, Margaret really fell in love with volleyball in eighth grade. She played travel soccer, hated it, didn't like the connect, the, the like, you know, touching and battling it out. And when I found volleyball and I, it was really me pushing her into that a little bit. When I say pushing her, she wanted to play something. I said, hey, try volleyball. She walked into the first um, tryouts for this club and they quickly put her on a national team. And before we knew it, we were traveling. And she's now a D1 volleyball player in college. So she played volleyball 24-7, really her uh, mid middle school and high school careers. So Lisa, was it a little bit overwhelming for her to get like immediately immersed into this whole new universe of club volleyball when you didn't have any background or experience in it? Yeah, in fact, um, she's done uh, at Miami. They've interviewed her because she's really done exceptionally well there. And she'll tell the story that the first club, so they put her on this team one level up, one year up, and it was an, we were trying to do a local team, and they put her on this national team. 
she knew really nothing about how volleyball was played because volleyball is like almost like a ballet, the way you move and get positioned. So her first practice, I picked her up at nine o'clock. She came out literally sobbing like I'd never heard Margaret sob before. She's like, Mom, I don't know anything. These girls are kind of mean. I don't know what I'm doing. I said, well, Margaret, don't let's not go back. Forget it. I, you know, I, I wrote a check, but that's OK. She said, oh, no, no. I know I'm going to love it. I just want to, I just needed to let my, let it out. So yeah, it was a rough go her first three months. Um, but I give her credit. It, she kept at it and it turned out definitely to be the best, um, the best thing she really could have done. And what, what happened in order for her to turn the corner? Like did, was there a particular event or was it just time? You know what? It was really learning. She ended up, um, and I don't know, maybe it was a God thing. We ended up, getting on a team with a coach that was very, very good. And, um, and you know what, I think Margaret, as it turns out, and it's proven out, this was the sport for her. And she very quickly, you know, I would say the first really season was a little rough, but by the second year, she then was eight, she was, and she was immediately put on the number one team that year and really never looked back. And then frankly, we got her into a training regiment with a, with a, a, a trainer who actually trained Michigan State basketball and her vertical jump went up five inches in one year. It was phenomenal. And so I really think, you know, she started to see the benefits of her hard work and just uh, loved it, loved it. So were there any time where either she or you were tempted to say, you know what, between the regular club workouts and the games and the tournaments and the additional training, this is, this is too much. Was there ever a point where you're tempted to just tap out or scale it back? Well, I would talk more on that front with my oldest daughter, Katie. And I think if I, you know, I'm sitting here now as a parent, having gone through all of these sports programs with one daughter out of college. She, uh, Katie played D3 in a Minis at a Minnesota school and Margaret's playing D1 at Miami of Ohio. And now when I look back, I should have put, if there's any regret, it's really allowing Katie, who was doing three sports at, at high school, a club volleyball program and training uh, with our, the trainer we use, because if you don't train, you can get hurt, right? So if you're not really in shape, it's really bad. So when I think of all of that with the, uh, the kind of, uh, um, academics she was, you know, uh, doing, I needed to, as a parent, put boundaries and say, you have to choose. And, you know, she wasn't that she wasn't happy or she wasn't wanting to do it, but at some point, you know, it used to be you could do three sports in high school and you could, you know, then play in college. And her goal was to play volleyball in college. And yet she wanted that 12 letter athlete at the school she went because it was very rare. Yeah. But you know what? At some point you have to choose. And I think if there's any Margaret with one sport, I feel that is very doable. And, um, and so it was really Katie's desire to do it all that I probably should have put some boundaries around. Gotcha. Lisa, what, what critical life lessons did you see your daughters learn in the sports context throughout their middle school and high school years? Well, um, well, 
as, as a real example is Katie, who just graduated uh, last year from college. Um, it was the fact that she played, and I would say, you know, in high school and middle school, it was clearly a benefit to be on a team with other girls who are going for the same, you know, challenges you are. And the girls that my girls were friends with and are friends with are, are just, you know, uh, team players. You learned for sure how to deal with conflict. You learn how to deal with disappointment because trust me, neither one of my daughters played on teams that won all the time. You learn sportsmanship. Um, there was a lot of really important, I think, lessons in those years and prepared them, I'd say, for college because both daughters knew discipline on timing to study. I mean, I really didn't see huge transitions from high school to college with either girl because I really think they knew how to juggle what they needed to do with their schedule and keep focused on when they could study, they studied. Now, I can also say that Katie, as she left and was interviewing for jobs, I believe the fact that she was a um, participant and you know, she was the captain of the team as a senior was a huge reason that she got a consulting job in healthcare that was a very competitive uh, job. And while Katie's quite talented and quite, uh, you know, a smart, I wouldn't say her GPA was necessarily at the absolute, it was very good, but the, 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 the place she went was clearly interested in the athletics and the team sport and that part of her resume. Um, so it was well worth it. That's great. Lisa, you were like on a super high-powered career trajectory as well. So it's not like you were just kind of sitting around at home, getting your girls ready for practice. You had a job. How did, how did you, and you were doing that alone for a big chunk of their careers, right? Yes. Um, yeah, I was divorced when they were pretty young. I guess Katie was six and Margaret was four. And, uh, but their dad was very involved and, and definitely present and, but but when it, but mostly he was pre present for the games. Um, I was really the one who had to make sure the practice they could get to the practices. Um, but but I was blessed in that because of my job, I was able to have a pretty full time. I, I wouldn't call it a nanny. I'd call it a helper. Yeah. Who um, helped do a lot of the driving because gotcha. there was no way um, that I could have you know before they drove done all that. But I will say, and I think this for anybody who, even if you're not working full time, it is a big demand on the family. And I, and, and maybe, I don't know of other sports, but I was very involved in travel soccer when they were younger. Katie played on the best team in Michigan for travel soccer for a long time. And then the volleyball, I mean, the weekend tournaments it, and the and the cost of this, it does become um, a real decision and choice by a family of how much time you want to put into it, and is it really where you want your family? And and for us, it became actually a great bonding. You know, their dad would come, I would come, they'd see him, they'd see they spent more time with me. So for us, I would say it was a really positive experience um, as a family in those weekend tournaments and weekday games. 
that's great. So Lisa, Kelly and I have had the great honor of visiting you at your home on one or two occasions. And one of the things that Kelly loved is in your mudroom, kind of like where the lockers were, there's like a post-it note checklist about what gear people yeah. needed to bring to which Sorry. practices. Yeah. What was the origin of that? <laughs> that's funny. Well, um, that's, that's funny you remember that. Um, uh, so I'm kind of an organizational freak. Um, I was a chief financial officer in my career path, and that's obviously um, someone who likes detail and likes numbers. And um, But I was also one that said, I definitely want my kids to be independent. I was raised in to be independent, and maybe I'm overly that way, but I wanted them to stand on their own. And so they took responsibility for putting their stuff in the bag and making sure they got it and got it there. And boy, if you were in travel volleyball and you didn't have the right t-shirt, you didn't play. Um, I think that happened one time actually, but I think Katie was able to get it from another girl, but um, it was a great lesson on um, organization and independence. So um, that was definitely my idea. So did you help draft the cards? Did they tell you what needed to go in the bags or did you already know? I already knew by that okay. point because actually when they were a little younger, I didn't rely, I didn't make them do it that wet much. But um, and then I did have my full time helper, Chelsea. She was an unbelievable organizational person. Yeah. Um, and if I really think back, I have a feeling she was the one who worked with them on the list is what gotcha. I think. Gotcha. Yeah. We have a friend who is a coach and he said uh, he coached middle school girls and he goes, if you're in seventh grade, you're old enough to know how to do laundry. So his direct challenge to his young athletes was you guys are responsible for washing your own uniforms. Don't put that on mom and dad. Oh, that's awesome. Now, I can't say I did that, to be honest, but what a great idea. <laughs> well, yeah. the, check the checklist, I think, is a huge stress reliever. And even though Kelly and I saw it a couple years ago, I I've been reluctant to pull it together just because I'm lazy. But even this last week, we're leaving the house. We got a kid who's got to go to soccer. We've got a kid who's got to be at gymnastics. And we've got a kid who's got to be at lacrosse all on the same night. And invariably, you know, we get to the lacrosse indoor arena and Josiah's like, I forgot my water bottle. And I'm like, oh, this could have been averted. And I realized that so yes. much of my stress when we're getting out the door is, do you have all your stuff? And then you're halfway there and somebody's like, oh, I forgot this or I forgot that. And I'm realizing that that you can't, you can plan and you can teach kids to plan and you can save yourself stress and anxiety and yelling in the minivan if you right. do, do build right. in some rhythms and some protocols to make sure that we're planning ahead. Well, and, and I honestly was really blessed in that my daughters ended up on the tra travel side of, of sports in the same sport. Okay. I, I don't have a child in hockey and another child playing travel volleyball. I mean, I have to say, you really have to think that you're doing this for a purpose to have two separate sports or three like you and try to keep your family intact. That's, that's even a bigger challenge than I had. Lisa, what did you learn about yourself as a parent and as a person in watching your kids play volleyball? Well, interesting. So I recently, or in the last two years, um, took the strength finders, um, test personality test because, you know, my children had done it. Friends had done it. I'd never done it. Um, and surprisingly to me at the lowest, the last, my bottom five, um, my very bottom one is competition, competitive, 
which really? was like shot. And by the way, when I tell this to friends and you know me well, Steve, you're like shocked, right? Like, sure. Yeah. How can that be? I was a very competitive businesswoman. But yeah. what's interesting when I read it, I realized I am very competitive within myself. I hate competition with other people, which is right. why I think I didn't play the team. I wasn't dying to do team sports. So like I love golf. I love skiing, but that is driving. I love bike riding and doing century rides, but it's always about me challenging me. So what was interesting to me is even though that compet competition um, gene was not really the way I'm designed, when I am sitting in the stands where get with my daughters playing, I become this ridiculously competitive, like, live out competition through my my daughters right yeah and it and in fact so uh, now and i think by the way i i if anybody's listening to this who is on a travel team in high school or middle school let me say when you get to college level sports it's like a whole different level so even though i would have said i was like that at those travel volleyball tournaments sitting in the stands at miami of ohio when my daughter's team could win the MAC championship, I become this nutcase, right? I mean, I say nutcase, but you'll ask people, the parent, we all, and by the way, the parents are great. We love each other. We hang out together. But this one woman said to me once, the one mom said, Lisa, if you hold on to my leg one more time on the winning point, I'm going to make you sit somewhere else. And That's she was great. laughing. So I really, and I have one more year, I'm really committing myself to being very thoughtful when I walk into this, the, the court, the, the place, and just kind of to the Lord, you know, God, this is not that important. And I just have to get perspective. And I feel like now that Katie's gone and now she's on to her new life, there is this, you have to realize that this is a long journey. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And you know what? My daughters aren't going to play professional volleyball. So this is a life journey, not an end game. That's great. That's, that's a really valuable uh, perspective, Lisa. Talk well, about... You, you know what, my, Steve? You can call me in about at the end of November and ask me if I've calmed myself down. Okay. okay. I got one more year to do it. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you were telling me a little bit about a group of athletes or at least a program that Margaret got connected with that helped her think critically about how to integrate her faith into her athleticism. Can you talk about that? Yes. And I am passionate about the impact this organization has on our college athletes. It's called Athletes in Action. It's, um, the athletic um, uh, subsidiary, I'll call it, of Crew Campus Crusade, but now called Crew, and it's and it's um, all athletes uh, from all walks of, uh, of uh, from lots of sports, even some athletes who may have started to play in college and then stopped. But and even if you were kind of on, in a club team, so it's kind of all levels, but definitely all athletes. And I, I think this organization has transformed my daughter in a way that I will be thankful forever. And 
in particular, she went, they have a training camp called the Ultimate Training Camp, UTC, and it's in Colorado Springs. And I think there's another one somewhere else, but she went to the one last year in Colorado Springs. And this whole, the whole purpose for a week was to focus on your audience of one. That's what it is. And obviously we all know what the audience of one is. The audience of one is God and that you're playing at your best. He's given you a God-given talent, but how you play and how you interact with your teammates and how you, you know, are on the court or on the field is direct reflection on your relationship with the Lord. And it was, and then they do a 24 hour kind of tournament with teams that literally you hardly get any sleep and they knock you down to, she said there were Auburn University uh, football players crying on their knees through this, you know, tournament test. And um, it just brought her back that, that then she started that last year with just a kind of a newfound belief that she can just play her heart out. Playing for she had the best season ever. And she became, she was actually all Mac uh, middle hitter and just accolades that in her mind were all thanks to God. And so I just can't say enough about AIA. That's great, Lisa. It's a fascinating perspective because I think a lot of us say, well, you know, I have my spiritual life and then I have my hobbies, but to actually think of something like playing volleyball as an act of worship is a really valuable and I think empowering paradigm twist. I totally agree. And she has, um, there's, um, the AIA at Miami is very active. It's a, you know, there's probably 50 athletes. She's become a leader in it. She actually brought two of her classmates or teammates to the Lord strengthening their relationship. Um, and you know what? It's changed the dynamic on the team, having her, her faith. And by the way, Margaret doesn't preach it. She's not kind of forcing it. It's just kind of, you're right, interfacing her faith into her sport and gives her the confidence to just kind of live it out. Um, and I think it's a lesson to all of us because I was in business my career my whole life. And I think I separated it too much. And I've learned a lot from watching my daughter. And she, she challenges me on bringing my faith into my sphere of influence, which for me is still the business world as I'm on some boards and other things. It's like, you know, you don't have to necessarily preach, but being able to kind of be different than the others and have people say, so what is it about you? And I want to be like you. And Margaret really has represented that. That's great. Lisa, what encouragement would you have to parents whose kids are maybe just starting their athletic journey about how, how to do it well? Like, were there things that you did right that you would encourage people to try or things that you would do differently if you had another run at it? That's a good question. Um, first of all, I would allow them to experience different as sports young. So my, um, their father really, really started him out on, in soccer. And poor Margaret went till basically eighth, maybe it was seventh grade, playing a sport she didn't like. And okay. she was okay. I mean, she got on a travel team. So it's not as if you can't, because by the way, these travel teams, this is one thing I'll tell everybody who's listening. These travel teams want your money. 
And if they put you on a level three team or a level, you know, that's not a bad thing, but just understand that's because you're just doing it for the teamwork and for the, you know, camaraderie, right? But just be aware that they're, they're going to get you on a team if you want to be on a team because that's how they make money. So I feel like we should have had a lot more engagement with Margaret about what she really loved and what she didn't love. But frankly, the other real message I'd say is the whole experience is a marathon. You know, when I was in it, in the middle of it, I thought every single year my kid had to get on the best team and we had to make sure we kind of, you know, we missed church in order for them to practice soccer, right? We yeah. did all kinds of things. This, when it really, really mattered, was probably seventh and eighth grade. Okay. Really. I mean, if you wanted to, if your goal, and again, we didn't really say we have a goal, our kids are going to play college athletics. We didn't have a goal that we wanted a scholarship, although, frankly, it's really nice that Margaret got a full ride. Sure. But, but you, you are, no matter what, you're giving a lot of your time. So I feel like... Um, just really being comfortable that no matter what happens, and and by the way, these kids, I know someone whose daughter is a very good volleyball player, and she got cut from the number one team, moved down to the number two team, and I think she felt her life was over, right? Over. And there is a, per, you have to have a perspective with your kids that, you know, you know, there's another year, there's another, there, there, there's more opportunity. And, you know, and the reality is it may not be that she's good enough to play at that kind of level, but that doesn't mean playing at a team where she's meant to be and fit isn't going to be a great experience. Um, there's nothing worse than playing on a team where you never get playing time either. So there's kind of that yin and yang. Um, so I, I guess I feel like appreciating the, the marathon instead of the sprint. And then I think finally, I think if you're really serious with your kids about playing this kind of these, some of these levels of sports, don't underestimate the need for additional training. My, the injuries that happen, these clubs do not, are not looking out for the, the strength and conditioning that your kids are going to need if they're going to play, if they're going to play at that level one level, right? If you're right. playing three days a week and um, Katie ended up tearing her ACL in, in high school, playing high school basketball. And frankly, it was really rough and she has never truly recovered. She's played in college um, and she trained a lot. It was just a, it was just bad luck. But I saw many, many kids getting injured because they weren't athletically um, fit. They were very athletic, but they weren't fit enough. And that fitness takes another probably one to two sessions a week um, to get them to be at the level they should be to play. Okay. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot to juggle. And I, but I love your perspective about trying to hit pause and zoom out and see the big picture, because I think many times, even with Kelly and I, it's, Hey, what's happening in this season and, and how do we right. turn things around in the next four weeks and what's going to happen at the next tryouts rather than to be fully present in the moment that we're in and in saying, are we making friends? Is she enjoying herself? Is she getting minutes right. rather than trying to make everything perfect? Uh, that you try, then rather than trying to control variables that you ultimately can't control. That you can't, right. And I would say make sure that the 
whatever team you're on, not that they all have to be, you know, strong Christians, but I want to say we had a couple of really bad, uh, you know, times where the girls, mostly early in Margaret's um, career on club, that really were not, it wasn't a great dynamic. And I do think being very aware and asking questions to your kids about what this experience is really like for their soul. Yeah. Is very important. The diversity that Kate, the diversity is great, right? I mean, our kids are going to live in a diverse world. I'm all for diversity, but boy, I think anchoring them and my daughters talk to me a lot. And some of the stories that they would tell of, of, of some of these travel weekends, um, it just makes you shake your head a little bit. So be, be very aware of what that's doing to your soul and your spiritual side of your, your children. That's a great question to ask Lisa. And I, I, I love it because I think one of the questions we're trying to ask with this whole podcast isn't just what can we get out of our youth sports experience, but both as parents and as young athletes asking a question, who do I want to be right. when all this is over? Right. Right. And we all know as Christian parents, our goal is that they come through high school strong in their spiritual, you know, foundation because you go to college and for those that are going to listen to this whose children are in high school and heading to college, it's may it you're you know, they're not under your roof and now they're in college. So having a spiritual foundation before they head there is so and I have to be very honest, I underestimated it. I totally underestimated what college could do. Um, and I had, you know, as you knew us, we, we went, you know, we did the church thing, the youth group, my kids were active in youth group, but making sure they really, really have a love for Jesus to the best we can do. I mean, some of this is all in God's hands, but it's a really important, um, important part of their development in those junior and high school times. Great. Well, thanks so much for your time, Lisa. I really appreciate it. And, uh, Hey, good luck on this next season. I hope you don't put any bruises on your friend's leg next time around (laughs) thanks steve uh love chatting talk soon all right thank you so much i really appreciate it lisa's daughter margaret is seeking to play college volleyball for an audience of one what do you think it means to do this how can thinking of an audience of one free athletes to play with less pressure more passion and true joy If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Bad Soccer Dad on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. If you get a chance, leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people join the conversation. You can also find us on Facebook at Bad Soccer Dad Podcast. Message me there with your questions, episode ideas, or specific ways I can be praying for your family. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.